episode of Block Talk, presented by Theme of the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheorTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Pop art princess of NYC. It's the one, the only, Nikki Otev. Hello, welcome to Block Talk. Thank you so much for having me. So this is exciting for me because I just started this new part of the, the podcast where I'm asking my guests who they want to hear on the show, and Vicky Deville nominated you. And I'm excited to finally start this new trend of bringing people on who I may not have normally spoken to. You know what? I think that that's so cool. Like finding out what who another queen loves is really a great way to make your way through, you know, a city's drag. Exactly. And it's it's opening up opportunities for me. And I'm very excited to learn all about you because I know you a little bit through Read My Lips and going to the competition, but I'm sure there's so much more that the listeners need to know about you. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I did not know that you had attended a Read My Lips competition. I was, I was at uh, the Madonna one. Oh, yeah. I think that was our last incarnation. Yep. Yes. So. Oh. The absolute best. You know, we were supposed to have at least one that mm-hmm. got canceled because of the pandemic, but right. at least we left it on a really iconic note with that Madonna. Sure concert. did. And, and we'll, we'll get to it, but okay. I like to start from the beginning. Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles originally. Okay. What, what is Los Angeles like as a youngster? Well, um, I'm like really lucky. I come from a super artistic family and mm-hmm. also grew up in a kind of like little little town in Los Angeles called Silver Lake and okay. uh, went to school with a lot of people who were you know children of artists and entertainers and stuff too so I grew up in a mega liberal mm-hmm. little enclave um, with cool people around me and uh, eventually moved more Hollywood into more Hollywood like later on like around right before I became a teenager so spent like the last half of living in Los Angeles as a teenager kind of bopping around Hollywood. And um, so I'm lucky to have always been from a city and mm-hmm. like a cool city that, you know, gets queers. I'm very blessed in that sense. So I never felt really out of place. Um, and I've been now here in New York for almost a decade. We're going on a decade. So nice. I'm kind of split between half of my life there and half of my life here. I'm, I'm curious, what does... A teenager in Hollywood do what 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 was life like there oh my god uh oh okay well I mean like long before I was a drag queen I was a club kid and that started mm-hmm. in Los Angeles when I was in I want to say like my sophomore year I started going out well actually this is even before that my dad um owned a couple buildings in Los Angeles and he would have um he would have basically people would like not be in a, like let's say a unit in an apartment building or a unit in a commercial building and so he would like he would be like yeah you can go I was really into photography so he would say hey you can go and hang out in the space and take photographs or whatever but of course I was throwing parties for people uh, for my <laughs> friends. this is like young youth culture in LA and um, through that I like met, I like met a lot of people that I didn't like go to school with but were kids from Hollywood High and mm-hmm. uh, other like local schools 
And uh, then when I got into high school, I started going out with them to other things, notably like raves, underground raves in Los Angeles that would happen in like uh, distribution warehouses in okay. uh, downtown Los Angeles, where you would enter through a bodega and you would come out the back and it'd be like an indoor sweaty rave. So that's where I began partying and going out. And so I was like this really vibrant, colorful club kid in Los Angeles. So that was like, that was pretty much life. It was like really dark, dingy warehouse parties. Did you ever have to keep, did you keep it a secret that you were going out to these parties? Absolutely not. Everybody knew, including my parents. I, I luckily had a really long leash because I was like also mm-hmm. very committed. Meanwhile, I was very committed to like being a good student and being Sorry. like a very active person uh, in my like immediate community. So like, it was like, I was like, had a very honest, honesty is the best policy with them. So they knew I was. And also you couldn't help but tell because I looked so insane. I had green right. hair, no eyebrows already, was wearing full rave outfit. So everybody knew. So no, it wasn't a secret, but um, the parties themselves were secret and they were through word of mouth. And so that's what made it really cool and special. That's exciting. I've never been to a rave. I'm pretty old now. I've never been to one. They were like bounce raves. So they weren't really like techno. It was more like rap and bounce music and they were called Twerk Fest. And so I started hosting at Twerk Fest, being sometimes on the mic, but a lot of the times just literally finding a speaker and twerking on it all night. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was that my sounds fun. Yeah. So that's how I got into nightlife. So let, let's go back a decade now. What brought you to New York City? Well, I came to New York for school um, to study photography at college. Mm-hmm. But that was really, a, that was secondary. I like knew that that was going to be my way to get myself to New mm-hmm. York but I just felt as though I needed to be in New York. I had spent a lot of time here because I had family here and I did an internship over the summer um, before I before my senior year working for an artist in New York and just had like the summer of my life really grew, really came into my personal style in New York that summer. And after that, not coming to New York was no longer an option. I knew that that was the, the thing I had to do. So where did you go to uh, school? I went to NYU. Very cool. Yeah, I studied photography, um, which often dealt with portraits of myself and other mm. club kids. I was always like interested in documenting like, the freaks that I was out with. When so you're in nightlife at this point, you've done the club scene. When did you start exploring drag? Well, I worked in nightlife here in New York for I want to well, like pretty my entire time through school, so mm-hmm. four years. And then I graduated from school. I didn't have like a real direction that I knew what I wanted to do, but I was still doing nightlife gigs. And after some like dumb fiascos with clubs not paying and uh, like losing some friendships over crazy club drama, Mm -hmm. I took a step back for a year after I graduated and kind of just was focusing on learning how I wanted to use my art and figure out what my, you know, my medium was going to be. And then someone that I had previously employed at the club said, hey, we're starting a drag race viewing party at the Museum of Sex for season 10 of Drag Race. And we'd love to have you host. So I said, yeah, sure, I'm totally down to do that. And the first night I went to it for the premiere, I was like, you know what? Let me just step out of my bag. People know me for my makeup, but it was like, just boy looks. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me step out of my bag and try to stunt. 
So I got a dress, I like rolled my little hair up into a bun, looked very vintage, and I went to the party and I met my best friends uh, at that night who also happened to be drag queens. So from that point on, I just loved the, uh, I loved the feeling of connecting people behind a really powerful armor and persona. And it just felt like a natural progression. That's awesome. Yeah, it's all through that one night at the Museum of Sex that changed my life. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, that pl- I've, I've never been to that place. I've wanted to go for so long. So maybe when things open up again, it I'll was, finally get to go to the Museum of Sex. It was so cool. We were just talking about it, me and my best friend, Joe, uh, who I met on that first night at the Museum of Sex. We're just telling it about somebody else about it the other day. And so funny, I think of all of the season of Drag Race that I've seen the least it would probably be season 10, even though we were hosting a wine powder party every week because I met these people I love so much. So we would stay outside, stand on the street and like chain smoke cigarettes just to get to know each other. So we barely yeah. watched episodes. So yeah, it's a great place. It was magic at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of friends who would pop in and out uh, of the viewing parties and I've always heard, always heard good things. Really good. Let's talk about the drag name. How did you come up with your drag name? My full name is Nicholas Dean Ottaviano. And for the longest time, I was just Nikki, um, you know, when I was in LA and then moved over, then people only knew me as Nikki because in LA, some people still call me Nick. And I, it all honestly stems from just figuring out what my profile name was gonna be on Instagram. Right. And I shortened my name down and it stuck. Listen, Nikki, if it works, it works. Yeah, I, you know, I love coming up with drag names. Me and my mm-hmm. friends do it all the time. I have a mega long list, um, but I'm very similar. I, I am my character like 100% mm-hmm. of the time. I don't really like come alive in a different way when I'm, I'm up in drag. So I didn't really feel like as I as though I needed to have like two separate personas sure. for it. Yeah, you, you weren't going to be Hannah Montana. You didn't, that, that wasn't your gig. No, it's not the gig, no. no. What? She's, okay. She's like, 24-7. Did you workshop any other names before deciding this was it? Oh, um, not seriously, no. Not <laughs> seriously, no. I'm still w- workshopping them. We actually, we did just come up with my alter ego name. Mm-hmm. When I'm like a sexy, like sultry villain. Would okay. be, is it Natasha? Natasha Velvet. Like Sasha Velvet. But I'm Natasha Velvet. But no, she's Nikki. Nice. If I have to ever change it, it would only be like Nikki O, but mm-hmm. uh oh, I know another Nikki O who who sometimes goes by that. Oh really? Nicole Is she Anoscopy. New York queen, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, she's well, she's not in New York anymore. She, she moved that part. So yeah. I'll keep Nikki O. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to that girl. I like her too. She's totally good. We've had many conver- many a conversation about how we're, we're both Nikki O, but it could not be different, more different. Absolutely. Than uh, yeah, I, I I love coming up with drag names also. I was high the other night and came up with a name and I was like, I don't do drag, but I might just have to start drag just so I can claim this name. What is her name? Um, Adele Weiss. Adele Weiss, yes. Wait, somebody just told me the funniest one the other day. I'll have to think about it, but it was a drag king name. Oh, Keith, Keith Myath. Yep, love it. That's I love that one. I was like, it took me so long. That's the thing. I'll also know people for years who have mm-hmm. a drag name that I don't realize it's a pun. And then years later, I'll be like, yeah. oh my God. You mm-hmm. know? I, I love a punny name. She's slow. How would you describe Nikki in three words? 
I think I can describe Nikki in one word, but All I right. if you need them, but I'm pop. Everything mm -hmm. about me is pop. I really base my drag in pop art, pop aesthetics. You know, I love Warhol and I mm -hmm. love pop art of all flavors. I really like color, you know, and I like shapes and I like things that just jump at you. And I'm obsessed with pop culture. Mm -hmm. I'm almost exclusively only ever perform pop music. And bitch, I just pop. So it's pop. Pop, pop, but pop. I guess I would, but if I had to give you three, it would be pop, loud, colorful. Love it, love it. How long does it take to transform into Nikki? It ideally takes like two and a half, three hours. Okay. But I can rush it, but why would I? Right. Do you have any you traditions know? that you have when you get ready? Well, usually I'm joined by my best friend. So we'll listen to music or we will watch a tour video of one of our favorite divas, or sometimes we'll listen to a podcast. We'll probably listen to this podcast next nice. time I'm getting ready. Um, and uh, no, the only thing that I would say is a tradition and it's not specific to me is uh, I really love to always finish or start with perfume because a bitch has to smell love just that. as delicious as she looks. Are you allowed to reveal the perfume you wear? Yes, I wore a knockoff Gucci Bloom from the dollar store across the love street. Love it. <laughs> or, or the little samples that they send my mom in her birch box. Love and, that. And that's it. That's it. What are some of your favorite makeup products that you use? Oh my God, there, there's so many. I, 2020 was the year of upping uh, my cosmetic game, sure. which mostly is through my best friend and uh, suggestions from other queens. I absolutely love, I'm wearing a, I'm not wearing a Patrick Ta gloss, but it's because I couldn't find it. But I always have my Patrick Ta gloss on me. And we are obsessed with everything ColourPop at the moment because it's mm -hmm. cheap and it's really effective. And I just got some, uh, a Drag Race girl gave me some um, kimchi chic beauty. Uh, they're like eye, liquid eyeshadows. I'm oh, wearing nice. the gold that I'm wearing right now. I love it. It, it they pops. They go on amazing and they're all in the best colors. So those are my go-to things at the moment. Nice. Well, maybe we'll get you some sponsorship. They'll all listen and be like, oh my God, Nikki Otev. Oh my God, she's just so sickening. We got to yeah. no, no. But <laughs> we have been ourselves buying lots of cosmetics and really loving new stuff. Also, Jeffree Star is canceled now. I think that's common knowledge. So all his shit is discounted. So honey, I went out and I bought a palette. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. I mean, I am intensely cheap when it comes to cosmetics. I really hate buying expensive cosmetics. So I wait till the person is canceled and then I open and I get me the expensive shit half price. Well, now I, as I'm not a makeup artist, so I don't do makeup. Occasionally I'll throw something on my eye for one of my shows. It's sure. bad, but everyone pretends that, oh my God, it looks good. No, it's bad. I know. I know. <laughs> What is the correlation between price point and quality? Well, I think, I guess I can answer that in, in a piece of advice to new queens. I started with very little makeup and almost exclusively hand-me-down makeup or makeup that was like so cheap that I bought who knows where. And I learned how to get the results that I wanted with product that wasn't high grade. Mm -hmm. And so then when you go over to expensive product, the quality is there, meaning that it's pigmented, it swipes right on, it doesn't drag the makeup underneath, you know, it just, it just right. has a luxurious feel. It's not sticky, whatever the thing is. 
So if you can get the results you're looking for with Dollar Tree makeup, then when you're able to like invest in a piece of, you know, good quality makeup, it just makes it that much more easy. Nice. But like you that. don't have to have expensive stuff right. to look expensive. You just have to have a little more effort if you're using cheap stuff. There you go. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think drag is at all about having resource, tons of resources. People do amazing drag with no resources. Absolutely. Let's go back in time a little bit. Do you remember what your first performance was and where it was? How far back do you want to go, Michael? Like all the way back? Let's, yeah, let's go all the way back. Okay, the first time I lip synced ever, true story, was to RuPaul's Supermodel okay. in a school play when I was like in the second grade. The like oh. after school woman who directed these like plays that she wrote herself obviously clocked a little, uh, you know, gay boy. And she gave Miss Nikki a, um, a featured lip sync moment in this school production. And uh, this is like even more color for you. I went to a school where Gwen Stefani's niece was uh, okay. in my grade and she was in that, uh, in that like production that I was in. So Gwen Stefani was at my motherfucking first lip sync. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. That's like I love that. But my first like adulthood drag performance was I like decided I, to enter a drag competition. This is actually even previous prior to the Museum of Sex. One, there was um, a drag competition called Miss Bodega Ball at this two day punk music festival. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I just want to do it. I've been watching so much drag race. I bet I can do that. So I got all up in this like red latex getup that I got and I did um, Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Naturally. And I, and, I, and I won the pageant. Congratulations. So, yeah, I mean, this is old history now, but that was an, another part of me being like, oh, I actually really like this. Mm -hmm. And it, it incorporates a lot of things that I love um, that nothing else does, you know? We talked about your inspirations when it comes to pop artists. Who are yeah. some drag artists that inspire you? I love, well, I guess I, I'll start with some of the drag race girls because they come to to mind to the easiest. I love Sasha. Mm -hmm. I think she's brilliant and she incorporates a lot of the things that I see myself doing like down the road, which is like, I'm an artist by day. I'm like a painter by day. Sure. And so I love the way that she incorporates like her visual art with her drag in her magazine, in her flyers and her productions. I love Violet's looks. Violet is one of my mm -hmm. favorite drag queens. She's just so beautiful. And she also has such a big role in, um, designing her outfits, which I really respect. And uh, then honestly, it's so hard to say, you know, it's so hard to pick a specific, specific queens in my, you know, own circle because all of them inspire me. I'm inspired by Brooklyn drag in general because it's so different. It's so, there's so much variety. And so everybody is different. And that's why I love putting on shows like Read My Lips because it's like, you get to see what so many different people bring to the same songs. So I'm inspired Absolutely. by them. You brought up Brooklyn drag, and I think that's a good segue to talk about Brooklyn drag. How would you describe Brooklyn drag for the uninitiated? I think it's mega artistic uh, concept heavy drag. Mm -hmm. I think people like really invest a lot of thought into what they're going to do, what they're, what lip sync they're going to, you know, put together and perform, uh, you know, into their character, into their looks it's not cookie cutter and the girls don't look like each other, you know? Right. 
versus like some other cities where like, let's say the pageant style reigns supreme or, mm-hmm. um, you know, even in Manhattan, there's like a little bit more of like, they, there's a little bit more of a look versus mm-hmm. Brooklyn where I wouldn't really say there's a look, you know, sure. particularly everybody is. It's a mood. Yeah, it's a mood. It's a mood. And I guess like the sort of the uh, misnomer is that it's like crunchier. It's crunchier mm-hmm. drag. I don't necessarily think that that's true, but crunchy drag f- does fly here. Yeah. You know, like we wouldn't laugh a girl out if she wants to have a full uh, chest hair moment or, you know, we there's plenty of bearded queens. Like we love that drag is open to interpretation in Brooklyn. Yeah, there, there are no rules. There's no rules. Why is it that us nightlife people, we can, we can go from Brooklyn to Manhattan and still have a great time watching whoever we're watching, sure. but the audiences don't really mesh the same way. You mean like, but like they don't like crop, they don't it yeah. overlap, they don't come, yeah. they don't leave their, yeah, people don't like their borough. Bitches in New York are lazy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you stay where your people are at. Um, and I don't know why that is. And I think actually like the events that I've thrown, the bigger events that I've thrown at $3 bill actually do a great job of mixing the two and yeah. proving that it's possible because I book queens from that are almost only Manhattan Queens, you know, and they mix with queens that almost never leave Brooklyn. So it's possible. Um, right. But I guess my answer to that is bitches are just lazy. So they don't want to go. True. They don't want to go for their way. Let's talk about $3 bill and read my lips, lips specifically. Sure. How did the show start? What, what was the inspiration? I had the idea for a lip sync competition here um, because I was aware of so many, there's so many drag competitions, of course, mm-hmm. and they're all awesome. I, what I really like about some of the other competitions is the way that they um, evolve like week to week or month to month. So it'll be like a cast of, I don't know, 10 people and every week someone's eliminated and each week there's a challenge, let's say, or there's a topic that they all have to riff on. But I, what I didn't love about that is that it requires so much work, so much unpaid work from the contestants Mm -hmm. and they have to keep coming back and keep coming back. Sometimes they have to win by a vote. So the onus is on you to invite the whole crowd to vote for you. And I just thought, man, we can simplify that into one single night, which is why our prize is uh, similar to some of those long form pageants and actually is bigger. Our thousand dollar check at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. It's just simple. You have to bring three potential outfits you might have to lip sync in. And if you go all the way, you win a grand, you know, so it's like even the people that go home empty handed just got to perform for hundreds of people and they didn't waste weeks and weeks and weeks. Right. So for those who have not had the opportunity to attend one of the shows, what is the format? How, how does Read My Lips work? The format is there are three rounds. I think it's generally 12 contestants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 12 contestants, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a minute. And every competition, there is a different um, musical artist whose catalog of music is what we focus on in all of the lip syncs. So a Britney, a Madonna, um, for example. And uh, everybody goes in head-to-head lip syncs in the first round. So there'd be six lip syncs between two competitors each. And one person wins each of those lip syncs. The audience determines who is the winner of each of those. The next six move on to the second round. Three remain, three lip sync, and one winner is crowned at the end. What's the reaction been like for the audience? They're amazing. 
uh, I mean, people, it's so cool because sometimes people come because they love a particular queen or a couple queen. And we also have people come because they just find out what the theme is and they mm -hmm. love Britney or they love Madonna or Gaga or whoever we've had. So the audience is like extremely engaged. Sometimes we have to start the show late because a queen's not there or whatever. And people will be there for hours waiting till we can open the doors to the big room and start the competition. We have really great audiences, read my lips. And I can't wait till Miss Corona is gone so we can yeah. do another one. So the last one you did was at the end of January, which was the yeah. Madonna theme. Madonna. Um, now looking back at it, I know you had some illnesses that night. Do you think Corona got you then? Um, I feel so bad now making light of that at the time. I was like, yep, they all got Corona. They didn't, but mm -hmm. um, they didn't. They, they were not gone with coronavirus. But uh, no, luckily it did not throw us off that night. It was, it really did throw monkey wrenches into our plans that people weren't Absolutely. able to be there and people were already fearful of coronavirus, but it only really messed us up when we couldn't have our Charlie XCX one in, I think, March. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I think it was March. I still have the flyers up in my cabinet. Yeah, it really threw us off then and it was too bad. And I hope someday we're able to do it because uh, I don't even know if all of the queens that were supposed to be in that one still live in New York, you right. know, it's too bad. Did you discuss a virtual edition of the show? We did, we did. But the hard thing is, is it's all, would be, it's already so much to organize. Right. That I didn't know how we could do it. How could we have that many people on a single, you know, like it's head to head mm -hmm. battles. And I just sounded like it was going to be too hard. Not only that, but uh, Read My Lips is sometimes sponsored, but mm -hmm. generally the prize money comes out of the door money, you right. know? And if we didn't make it, you know, in theory, Blake and I would fill in whatever gap there was in that, uh, in that prize money. We haven't had to do that, but so we really rely on the door, right. you know, and, and there's just something special. I really, I just maintained that this whole pandemic, there's something special about performing for people in real life. And so I completely applaud all my sisters and all of the drag kings and all the drag performers that have gone online, but it just didn't feel authentic for me. So I didn't yeah. make it my focus. I mean, I that's, said, that's we'll how we will come back real strong. Exactly. I mean, that's how we felt with iconic. We're like, everyone else is trying to do their shows digitally. It just wasn't right for us. Our show relies on having that icon audience and having yeah. people there packed in like sardines. 100%. And when the time is right, we'll be back. I know it's going to be a little bit of a, a wait um, because the reality is we know in order to make a show successful, you have to go over capacity. People have to come out. And you have to be over capacity. So it's just oh, yeah, right. people watching now, it's not going to happen. Yeah. We, we haven't completely, uh, completely breaks during the pandemic. We did three uh, charity shows right when they uh, opened back up bars and they were all socially distanced, mass mm -hmm. required, and we did not exceed capacity. Um, we did like three day shows that were benefiting Glitz and other black trans uh, organizations. And so it was like for a good cause, we did those shows on holidays when people would have been gathering right. regardless. And so we felt like it was worth it then. Um, but for the most part, we've kind of kept calm. I, we probably canceled somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 events in the time that we would have been doing them. Sucks. But we'll come back strong, like I Absolutely. said. Absolutely. I do think something cool about it is, you know, everybody wants to be a drag queen these days and everybody is entitled to it. I think everybody should try it. But the really cool thing is, is it's like, this is a hardship we're all going through. Mm -hmm. And the bitches who are intent on being a drag queen for the rest of their life 
are proving it right now. Absolutely. So like when the pandemic is over, you'll see like the bitches who really made it through and are like, no, I'm still here. I'm still kicking. And I look forward to that day. Absolutely. I'm excited for it too. We talked about Brooklyn a little bit and you, you've made the jump over to Manhattan and you've participated in shows with the Court of Filth. Oh yeah. Yes. With my best friend, Lady Mac and Cheese. What is the importance of a show like that? Because it's, it's not the typical Manhattan drag yeah. show. To me, Court of Filth is a Brooklyn show in Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, because there's uh, no judgment. It doesn't matter if it's your first show or your thousandth show. They'll have you on the cast and people bring like really creative numbers to it. Um, and so it's always different and they love each other. The Court of Filth, the people love each other and they look forward to seeing each other. So yeah. that's different. It's not like just about, you know, who's the most happening queen and getting booking queens that are already booked everywhere else. Like a lot of Manhattan drag is. Um, but yeah, I also started in Manhattan. Like I lived in Manhattan mm-hmm. before I started drag and a little bit while I was starting to do drag. So um, I've always existed between the two realms, but my drag mostly, uh, it's just the thing is, is it's so hard to break into Manhattan venues. You know what That's I mean? True. You kind of have to sort of like, you kind of have to play second fiddle for a while and be really good at it till they give you your own thing. And Brooklyn venues are open to all suggestions. So I've been able to like real ha- really have creative control here, which is why it just makes sense for me. Absolutely. Fashion is clearly something you take very seriously. Who, me? Yeah, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Where, where, where does it come from? Where, where are the inspirations? All over the place, all over the place. I, um, I like just love looking. I love just stalking online. I was a big Tumblr user mm-hmm. back in the day. I am always online screenshotting, saving photos, whether it's things that have nothing to do with fashion or outfits, whether it's like interior decorating shots from the sixties, whether it's paintings, whether it's graffiti I encounter on the street, um, no matter what it is, I'm always collecting images and then collaging them all into my drag. So I'm inspired by the things around me and I'm really inspired by history. And um, yeah, I don't know. It could come from anywhere. Music videos, shit like that. I'm assuming you probably have a pretty expansive closet. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Very proud of it. What is the process of putting a singular look together? Well, I have... um, in my closet, I have a little like adjoining, it's not really a bedroom, but it's like mm-hmm. a, a room that's right before my bedroom right. and it's set up like a walk-in closet. So I have um, a, a rack that's mounted to the wall with all of my, a lot of my drag on it. And so I'll go and like, you know, first pick for, I'll walk you through this outfit, pick out the dress, you know, mm-hmm. then go through my bin full of gloves. Okay, that glove works. I've got all of my jewelry out in my closet room, grab some of those. Then sometimes if I really want it to be just right, I'll actually go uh, to the like drawing phase. Mm -hmm. So I'll like go to my sketchbook and I'll like doodle what the look is gonna be like, and then I'll put it together. So sometimes actually, sometimes it starts at the sketchbook really, Mm -hmm. Um, which (laughs) literally I'm looking at it right now. I had it out, I did my makeup here, so I have it out. I love that, that's so cool. Right? I I need a screenshot of this, let's, let's get this. Perfect. I love that. Perfect. Yeah. So oftentimes it starts in the sketchbook and like, I, I'll even show you this. I have this on me too. Like future looks, mm-hmm. my notebook. 
And this is where I have like all of my sketches, everything we're going to be working on, everything that's in the process and all of those images that I told you inspire me, you know? So I'm always like looking at so many different things and then feeling, figuring out how I can Mm -hmm. synthesize them into something that's going to be my own. Yeah. But I'm really good at, at keep like, at finding things that inspire me, even if they're completely disparate and then cataloging them and printing them out and putting them all on little vision boards and figuring out how can I make all of these things fit together. And I think that that's why my looks always really look like me because they're always through my lens. Right. They're Are never you, a replica of something else. Do you make your own looks? I produce a lot of my own looks. So I'm, I'm a clothing painter by day. Mm-hmm. So whenever my looks inc- like incorporate painting, which they often do, or paper mache, which I do headpieces a lot. Yeah. Um, I make those. And then I work with some really gifted friends of mine who are seamstresses because I can like some, but I am so, so. So so Lady Mac and Cheese really makes a lot of my garments. And uh, so does my other good Judy Free Godmother who makes stuff for lots of Drag Race girls too. He's amazing. Um, But usually I, I design them out and then they make them for my sketches. So I'm involved always. And where I can help, I will in the sewing process. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about your art a little bit. Meltdowns and mugshots. Yes. How did that debut? What, where, where did you start that? I had a, my senior thesis show at NYU was a photo, like it was like photo collages. And uh, this woman from Rhode Island, this really awesome lady, Lisa, who was a bartender at this bar in Rhode mm-hmm. Island that I loved going to. She surprised me at my senior thesis show. She drove all the way from Providence, Rhode Island to New York to see it. And I didn't know she was coming. And I felt so grateful that someone would show support like that for me. So I asked her, our mutual friend, what is she like? And uh, my friend said, oh, Lisa loves divine. So I was like, all right, well, I don't have much money but I wanna give her something that's divine. So I was like, let me try painting her a picture. Hadn't really painted before that. Made this divine painting and it came out great. So I was like, okay, I think I really found what I want to do. So I started painting, painting my friends, painting celebrities I loved. And, but like, you know, in our scene, there's really not much of a, of a market for people to buy art, you know, right. like people our age aren't investing in art. So then the obvious like next step was putting the art on clothing and the rest is history. I've done hundreds, hundreds of projects now, leather jackets, t-shirts, uh, bags, all of people's favorite celebrities, and often um, pop tabloid moments, which is why it's meltdowns and mugshots, like Britney shaving her head, things yeah. like that. And and for anyone listening, where can they find it? They can find it on Instagram at meltdowns and mugshots. I'm always taking commissions on, and uh, I am going to be putting out some really exciting. Um, you know, right now meltdowns and mugshots is bespoke, so every piece is one of a kind. Um, but we're making some big changes in 2021 and there's going to be some, you know, mass market stuff on, on online before too long, including meltdowns and mugshots home, which is going to be really exciting. I'm sending off the signs. Yes. Yes. I'm coming into your homes, bitches. Beware. We we love that. We support local artists. We love that. Yes. Yes. Drag entrepreneurs, period. It's the new frontier. Oh, yes. We're going to play a game called This or That. I'm going to give you two things. You're going to pick the one you prefer. Okay. Oh, I love that. Work or play? Work. Rich or famous? 
fuck. Um, <laughs> rich. Tall or short? Tall. Fly or invincibility? Fly. Brains or beauty? Brains. Be loved or be feared? Be loved. London. Oh, but I would love to be feared. <laughs> bitches. No, right? no, bitches don't fear me enough. I'm, I'm sick of that, but no, I want to be loved. I want to be loved. London <laughs> or Paris? London. Netflix or Hulu? Ooh. Um, HBO Max. There you Just go. Kidding. There you go. Netflix. Netflix. Everyone's favorite um, treats at the bars right now. Hot dogs or bagel bites? Hot dogs. Oh, I love when they have a hot dog. Brittany or Christina? Brittany. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna. Madonna or Gaga? Madonna. All right. That's this for that. Oh, my God. Great questions, by the way. <laughs> Some of those are hard. Right. Uh, some of those are hard, but yes, I just to expand, they're all like my my ideal man as well. Must must prefer, uh, must have brains, must be tall, must prefer Madonna. <laughs> there you go, man. You so listen there. up. So there. You are a host. You're a performer. Do you prefer one over the other? I. No, I, I really love performing. I love performing. And I also love when I'm able to just perform and not host and perform. Mm-hmm. I love like being announced and just focusing on doing yeah. my good performance. But I do love hosting because something that is essential to me as a person and to my character is I love providing a space for other people to do their best work. So I don't mind hosting if I can be the person on stage announcing people mm-hmm. who are going to come out there and kill it. So it's kind of equal. And as a performer, I love going behind the music a little bit and finding Ooh. out your signature number. What would you say is your signature number and how did it become your signature number? Um, well, I would say the number that I performed the most is Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood. Okay. I, I love, and I'm not a country girl, but mm-hmm. I do love country when I, when I do love country, I love it. I love performing that song because I love playing like a really crazy maniacal ex-girlfriend who's gonna dig the keys into the side of the you know pretty little souped up four-wheel drive I love doing that number because I can like become a character and really any number where I don't really do narrative lip syncs necessarily where there's like a beginning middle and end and I don't often incorporate spoken word into my lip syncs I like just telling a story in the context Mm of lip syncing a song in its entirety and that song has so it's it for one it's right for parody Absolutely. It allows me to be like the crazy ex-girlfriend that I am. (laughs) I love that. We haven't really had that many live performances. And when we have live shows, especially in New York, we do drag roulettes and everyone the audience has always loved that. Oh yeah. When we we get back into it, what songs (laughs) well, what songs from 2020 are you most looking forward to and least looking forward to? being included in the drag roulette. Okay, I love, I loved Future Nostalgia, Dua mm-hmm. Lipa. I love, love Magic, Kylie Minogue. Yeah. Give any of the songs, okay? Um, I at first loved Chromatica, but I think I've heard them too many times and I don't hope they come up in the roulette. And, uh, and also, 
uh, we've gone, we've had so much time at home, so much time in the car because it's all we can do. And we've gone through so many people's full catalog going all the way back. I think 2021, I want to hear more throwbacks. Okay. What throwbacks? What are you, what are you begging for? I want to hear old Madonna. I want Gwen. I want no doubt songs in Mm -hmm. the roulette. I want old school Missy Elliott. We, we've been listening to Queen Latifah so much. Put wow. Queen in the roulette. Please, please. All right, there you have it. There's a request, people. Yes. Put those songs you in. Put Queen Latifah, uh, you know, on the roulette and I'll be there in a heartbeat, baby. We're going to play the Cameo Game Show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price but each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Okay. Oh, and we are real going- ones? They're real ones? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And right. These are New oh, York-based drag queens. Oh. <laughs> okay, here we go. Shit. All right. I'm not on it. I'm not on it just for just for frame of reference. I don't know what they cost. I thought you were going to say, tell me what their booking fee costs. And that's where I get truly shitty. <laughs> okay. Hit me. Well, they're kind the correlation, I'm sure, is very similar. But we're going to start off with Thorgy Thor or Nikki Doll. Uh, Thorgy Thor better be more expensive. Thorgy is 45. Nikki is 65. Okay, interesting. Next up, Rosé or Olivia Lux. I'd more likely buy one from Olivia Lux, but I would think Rosé's booking fee is higher. Rosé is 40. Olivia just bumped up to 45. Good for that queen. Love it. Next up, Ms. Cracker or Britta? Ms. Cracker. Cracker is 75. Britta is 40. Next is Jansport or Peppermint. Sorry, say it again. Jansport or Peppermint? Uh, I'm going to guess Jan. She's only 45. Peppermint is 79. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I could see Peppermint sitting down and film them less frequently. Yeah. Okay. Next up, Jackie Cox or Scarlet Envy? Scarlet. Scarlet is 50. Jackie Cox is 49. Oh, okay. Close. Next up, we have Laguna Blue or Ruby Roo. Laguna. Laguna's 25. Ruby is 15. Next, we have Janelle number five or Jasmine Rice LaBeja. I literally don't care because I would only ever get one from Janelle number five. Okay. (laughs) I'm obsessed with Janelle number five. So she better be more expensive. She's $15. Jasmine is 20. No. (laughs) Spend your money wisely and get Janelle to make you a message. (laughs) There you go. And now finally, how much can you get a cameo from Reefy royalty for? How much money does it cost? Yep. Girl. Her drag is expensive, so I'm going to guess she is charging $35.69. She's only charging $10. Hmm, what a deal. <laughs> there you go. Get, what a go deal. support your New York Queens. Go buy and a cameo. You get a Nikki Otov cameo for a bag of Fritos and $0.69. Cent. DM Nikki Otov today. There you go. Why is drag important to the community? It gives people a reason to get together. It -hmm. gives people a reason to relate to one another, to have mutual interests, to clap together, to stomp their feet together. 
drag is what keeps queer nightlife alive. And it's, to me, the most important part. Absolutely. Why is social media so important in nightlife? It gets the word out. It should put it simply, like it gets the word out about yourself, about what you're doing, about where people can find you. It's a tool that I couldn't run my own nightlife without. Mm-hmm. Is there a correlation between followers and quality? There shouldn't be. Um, there shouldn't be, and I don't. I don't believe that that's the case at all. Um, again, another reason why I love being in the driver's seat of a production and being able to cast girls that I just think are talented or are a good time. Um, because no, you could have no followers or not even have an Instagram and be an incredible queen. So there shouldn't be. And if people think that, they should think again. What are some of the pros and cons you found in the digital drag world? Uh, I think some people have used the format um, of the digital drag shows incredibly like anybody who has done the split screen Instagram where the top mm-hmm. half is the top half of one queen's face and the bottom is another, or the top half is one queen's torso and the bottom is their leg. I think that that's so comical and funny. Uh, I think anybody who has been able to do, uh, you know, previously recorded, like almost music video format things for, I don't know, Twitch performances or Twitch things. And I also think what's the best thing is you can create a cast that in real world, in the real world could never get together. Right. An international cast and people who are too young to come to a club or are geographically distant can now be at a party that they never could have attended otherwise, right. you know? So Absolutely. there is definitely, there's definitely advantages. And I think post-corona, there's still going to be online shows. Absolutely. I mean, that's my plan. I plan on continuing doing our, our relation shows every month that we have to. There, there's it's just a, awesome. It's a celebration. It's a, we come together to watch drag. Sure, there's maybe a lag as we're watching, but we're here in a Zoom room watching it's drag. It's cool, though. It's, yeah. it's cool, though. It's punk that way. It's not yeah. perfect, you know, and I like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, it's one of the only ways my mom gets to see drag. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, we we definitely, like, watched them uh, at in early quarantine uh, when we were with my mom as well. And so it's like, you know, people that like wouldn't necessarily come to a show all the time get to see it. And I think that that's really cool. I think that the youth seeing the shows is pretty much the coolest thing. Like yeah. people that could, don't have a, that aren't old enough to get into a club, like that's so cool. And that means we're going to see another wave of young drag queens who will start now. Do you think there will be any changes to live performances that were influenced from the digital world? Do I think that the digital shows will influence the live shows? Mm-hmm. Whether it's who's being booked or or how the expectations are going to be? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I hope that people carry uh, elements of their taped performances into future live performances. I just like seeing the way that people have gotten creative with the medium is very inspiring. And I love when a queen has a projected element or a pre-taped element intro and then she comes out of this you know from behind the stage and does the live part i hope people continue being as creative uh live as they have been pre-taped or on zoom or whatever it is we are going to play everyone's favorite game it's time for tea time where you're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite friends colleagues sisters people you've taken a photo with people you've had in your competitions you're going to spill some tea on if you have any okay cool Let's start off with G. 
Joe Disco. Oh, my Joe Disco. She's here in the house today. Don't know where she's scampered off to, but that is my best friend. Joe is who I met on that first night of Museum of Sex. And that relationship changed my life. And I'm, um, I am the queen that I am because of my proximity to her and my relationship with her. She makes it possible for me to be in always in my best form, whether it's uh, emotional coaching or actually literally being the girl that is like, hold on, mama, one sec you got a, some hair stuck in that earring, you know, like, let me pull it out. She's my best friend. She's my best Judy. And she, by the way, sickening drag queen. And there'll be a lot more drag coming from her in 2021. You better believe it. Love that. Next up, Lady Mac and Cheese. Okay, my other Judy. Lady Mac and Cheese uh, is one of the first people that asked me to come through and perform. And uh, we have done so many shows together where it's just the two of us doing brunch shows or dinner shows. Mm -hmm. She is such a drag artisan. She really cares about crafting everything she wears and the hair she does and everything about it. And she's so original and I love bitter ass bitchy queens. And me and her and Joe, we are bitter ass queens, okay? We don't love a green queen, okay? We like love the queens that are like cackling in the corner and are bitter Bettys. And that's my bitter Judy. I love Miss Lady Mac and Cheese. She's my fave. Love that. Next up, Chola Spears. Chola, uh, I think one of the first times I lip synced against anybody was Chola. She reminded me of that just recently. I didn't remember that, but never again, because Chola is one of the most intimidating lip sync artists I have ever seen. I think in New York, she's probably one of the top incredible lip sync, like assassin, mm -hmm. lip sync assassins. Yeah. And so I would say that about her. And I just also love Chola's look. You know, yeah. like, I love that she's like a character. I love when a queen picks like one outfit that they're really also like, that's them. And so if you book them, like there's a good chance she's going to show up in her green outfit and it looks <laughs> so good on her or her denim. I yeah. love that she like really sticks to what she thinks works. And I agree, it does work. Listen, as long as she puts them through the laundry, wear it every day. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, Agreed. next next up is someone who has lip, lip synced against her and suggested you for the podcast, Vicky DeVille. Oh, oh my God. I think Vicky DeVille is one of the overall best queens in this scene. Mm -hmm. Vicky is stunning. Vicky's incredible at lip syncing, is totally original, looks like a million dollars yep. and loves drag and loves drag queens, which I love a queen's queen. I'm like that too. We love drag. She loves it and she lives it. And uh, I need to see 10 times more of Vicky after this pandemic because she really inspires me. Yeah, she's, she's, she's incredible. And she did one of the most incredible things that read my lips ever. Uh, her American Life lip sync was so sickening. And I think that that might, I don't remember which lip sync it was, but she ended up being like the Madonna sex book Madonna. Mm -hmm. I think, Joe, am I right? Was she the sex book Madonna? Yes. I believe, I believe so. I, I, I have some photos from it that I never- For released. human nature. For yeah. human nature. Vicky was incredible. Mm -hmm. She's incredible. Well, another one from that competition, Nicole Anoscopy. Oh yes, Nikki O, of course. Um, Nicole Anoscopy I, is so many things I love in drag. I, she is like pure camp looking, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Her hair is always perfectly coiffed, like a 50s woman. And she's so beautiful. She was my favorite to win when she was in, 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 um, in Read My Lips. I think she's really talented. 
and she has a big presence. She's also uh, like a skyscraper. She's tall and she's beautiful. And uh, so whenever she walks in, I definitely take notice. We're both, Mm -hmm. you know what? You have to be a cool and nice person for me to be cool with you having my same name. Yeah. So it proves that she is a good girl because otherwise it'd be like, that bitch is called what? (laughs) You know, but I'm cool with it. She can take it wherever she is. She's welcome to be Nikki O2. There you go. How about the winner of that one? Candy Sterling. So sickening. It was so crazy. Candy uh, really, uh, I think... I don't know. I'm, I'm always in such a like daze when I'm doing read my lips because there's so much going on. Sure. So I can't remember the specifics of how it worked out, but she clawed her way back from almost not being in the finale of read my lips. And it was a true um, excitement for me to put that crown on her head because I thought she brought true Madonna flavor to the competition mm. just in general she's so beautiful looking too. So um, I'm always happy when I can award it to a pretty bitch. Nice. Speaking of tall and beautiful, Laurel Charleston. Oh, I just posted Laurel Charleston. She's our girl. Laurel is um, total makeup porn, you know? Like I uh, used to be so much more experimental with makeup till I found my mug that worked for me. And usually now when I'm getting ready, it's I'm just trying to do it on time. So I don't go too far out of my bag, but Laurel's so incredible because makeup is her art, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, so I'm eternally inspired when she puts a whole Picasso painting replica on her face. It's just like something else. Yeah. Next up, Junior Mint. Junior Mint, oh my God, I was performing over the summer at one of those charity shows that we did, I was telling you about. And I looked out while I was doing my number and I saw Junior Mint and I felt like, a celebrity was in the room. You know what I mean? Junior yeah. Mint is so inspiring, is truly legendary, is wise beyond her years. And um, I'm always a big fan of queens that do something with their platform and like no one mm-hmm. does more than Junior Mint. So I was honored for uh, her to be in the audience when I was doing my number. I love Junior Mint. Yeah, Junior Mint is one of those people who when you see her perform, it's what you would see from a normal queen. And then there's that twist. And it gets political and yeah. it's so done I did, so, so well. So I got invited to do a show with um, with Junior Mint and uh, I was like at the end of Pride, it was like the last night of Pride. I had performed so much that week and gotten no sleep. So I went haggard to the venue and uh, I don't know what number I was doing. Like some just literally just tip a number, like nothing special. And of course I was right after Junior Mint came out and did like a 10 minute spoken word lip sync, probably with like found like footage audio of like a literal, um, you know, political speech, you know, and was like, it was literally mind blowing. It's like drag them to feel something. And then I get up there and did like, you know, uh, Barracuda by, by heart or something. Like I felt like so stupid that I didn't bring something sociopolitical like to the, to the day, to the show that day, but whatever. That is very much Junior Mint. So when you know when you're going to see something by Junior Mint, it's going to inform you and make you feel a type of way and inspire action. So that's Absolutely. very much her bag. Next up, we have West Dakota. West is the winner of our, our first Read My Lips, Read My Lips Gaga. Um, I am so inspired by her and kind of just, it's amazing. It's like when you know somebody 
that is going to be like important to history mm -hmm. and important to this art form and you know they're just like they're getting recognized for that but you know that they're just gonna mean huge things to the world west is like one of the most influential people from this scene and i'm so proud that we got her for the read my lips that she won because even at that stage she did incredible things no one can turn a, a lip sync into something that's special and artistic quite mm -hmm. like she can she's like a sasha velour like what they do on stage is just really great uh no yeah. matter what it is and i also think she's beautiful and i think uh west is like fashion's next thing like if anybody if any designer is smart like west should be like a cover star period well there, there you she go is, but i mean yeah. like i west dakota should be like on the a major magazine cover she's incredible hey, one day i mean she will be she will be she will be next up Jax. Oh, the flipping, dipping, tricking <laughs> diva. Uh, Jax uh, makes me feel old um, because <laughs> of the way that she can contort her body and flip. I would uh, do a split, but I would crack my pelvis in half and um, never be able to walk again. But Jax can do uh, like seven back flips and then like a roundhouse kick into the splits. And um, it's not even like 3 p.m. She's incredible and uh, she's one to watch. Absolutely. And finally, last but certainly not least, Blake Deadly. Oh, good, because I haven't been able to be shady about anybody yet. So <laughs> Blake Deadly is um, a see you next Tuesday <laughs> who means well, but is um, a, you know, true bitch diva. And I love a drag queen who doesn't take no shit. And Blake doesn't take no shit, which is why she's a good foil to me as the uh, other partner in Read My Lips. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know everybody's best Judy, uh, but Blake keeps a motherfucking real. And I've always liked that about her because uh, she is super intimidating because of how real she keeps it. I think mm -hmm. she's funny and I think she's talented and um, she's a businesswoman too. And I love that. Absolutely. Let's say you get the phone call for the drag race. Who would you do for Snatch Game? <laughs> I, uh, if they would allow me, I just had perfected my uh, Greta Thunberg. Uh, there you go. That's a good one. It's really silly, but I have so many that I would be comfortable doing. Her or Michael Kors, like Project Runway Michael Kors, mm -hmm. all, all orange. Or, um, I don't know, I've been making a list of them. It's just like drag names. I have so many ideas. Guy Fieri is a funny one. We were thinking the other day, Courtney Love would be incredible. Yeah. I don't know there's so many, but I would say the one that I'm really feeling right now is Greta. Nice. I love that. Okay, you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching? I'm watching this guy who makes knives out of things. <laughs> he what? Makes, it's like some Japanese guy. There's no audio, but each episode it's like, man makes the most, the sharpest knife made out of rice. Sharpest knife made out of ice. Sharpest knife made out of plastic bags. And it's like, they're like 45 minutes long and involve so much chemistry and craftsmanship, but there's so many of them and they're mind blowing, find it. Are they good to watch sober or should you have a little um, <laughs> weed with it? And this is probably amazing with weed. I, it probably <laughs> says something about my attitude and my um, frame of mind that I watch those to fall asleep. I watch okay, those okay. knives to fall asleep, but they're incredible, so check them out. <laughs> That's so crazy, I'm definitely gonna have to look those up. That or like, shadiest moments 
like Mariah's di- most diva moments. I uh-huh, can look, naturally. I can look like seven and a half hours of celebrities' most shady moments. I love that. What is one personal fact about yourself that your fans wouldn't know? Um, my fans may not realize how deep my obsession with dogs and more specifically pugs is. Pugs, I, can literally okay. walk, I can literally not walk down the street or drive my car without like basically uh, like stepping on the brakes just to admire a beautiful pug that walks by. I don't have a dog, but I want one so badly. And yeah, that's a fun When, when you eventually do get a pug, what will you name them? Oh my God, I've thought about it so much. Uh, I'm obsessed with calling like little cute things Schmeagle. So okay. my dog will probably be Schmeagle. Schmeagle. Okay, Schmeagle. Schmeagle. I love, that. I love that. I love that. Me too. If you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Joe Disco. Okay. Hands down. Okay. Hands down. We would lose. Let's just be clear. We would lose because we, I think we would be useless at the like fire building or anything involving heights, but we would have a great time. <laughs> so which one of you is going to have to jump off a building? Which one is going to, who's going to do it? Uh, she's going to push me off the building. Okay. Okay. And who's going to eat the weird shit? Um, oh my God. I, I have insane food phobias. So it would, I hope it'd be Joe. I don't know. Who, who's going to be driving stick shift? Me. I'm, okay. I always, I'm always driving Miss Daisy over here. So I'll <laughs> be the one being in the wheel. All right. We're going to move into the pop five rapid fire where I'm going to give you five pop culture things, headlines, stories, and you're going to give me a word phrase, whatever you want to talk about for each. Okay. All right. Number one is Bridgerton. Haven't watched it. It's on my list. Mm-hmm. It, everyone seems to have positive opinions for it. I don't know. Like I, I watched the preview for a, a second. It's like, seems kind of soap, soapy. Very, to me. very soapy. So that's like not really my go-to genre, but since everybody it, is so. It is Shonda Rhimes. So of course it's going to be a little soapy. Yeah, uh, so I will get to it. Number two is Anne Hathaway reveals she hates her stage name of Anne. I think she should have gone with Man Hathaway. (laughs) Yeah, apparently she's like, yeah, call me Annie, call me Hath, call me Mrs. H. I don't want to be Anne anymore. Yeah, she doesn't want to be called Anne. Doth the lady require to be called Hath? Yeah. Um, We'll stick with Hath. I like that (laughs) for her. (laughs) Number three, uh, day of recording, currently happening, second impeachment of Donald Trump. I literally have been glued to MSNBC this entire week. Same. Honey, it's time for all of the boops to come to a head. They Mm -hmm. kicked her off Twitter, boop number one. They kicked her off all the other things, boop number two. They deleted Parler from the app store, boop number three. Honey, it's time to do the final boop and get her out of there. And I think all of our options are still open. Pence might do it, even though he said he does, he didn't want to because she's dangerous and she needs to go. Yep. I, I know that Mitch McConnell is happy. Impeachment is happening. Fickle friends. Fickle Doesn't friends. mean he would uh, convict him, but I, I do see this going through the Senate and I think he will never be able to hold public office ever again. I think so too. I mean, look, he controls their party, uh, whether they like it or not. And I think they have political ambitions. So many of these Republicans have political ambitions that will be thwarted over the next four years uh, or next eight years, I guess, technically 
if Donald Trump is still in the race. They're always self-serving. They're a party of self-serving people. So we need them to just be self-serving when it counts the most. Impeach exactly. him, make him it impossible for him to run again. And then let's focus on getting him into a jail cell once he's no longer president. Love um, it. It's just a matter of which jail cell we want him in. Which, which the state? smallest one with yeah. the least running water. Yep. All right. Number four is Sex and the City reboot. I would rather watch the Samantha reboot, if I'm being honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about this. I think Sex in the City is great because it relies on them, or at least one of them at any given time, being single women. So mm-hmm. if it's back and they're all like partnered up and really in their, you know, family mode, I guess that's fine. And, you know, it might appeal to some people who grew with the show and are now in that stage in their life too, but I'd rather watch Samantha be slutty all over Los Angeles. So I hope she gets a spinoff someday if she so decides, but I don't think it's going to happen. Is there a show from either your childhood or recent that has been finished that you wish would get a reboot? Um, oh my God. Well, I'm not finished with it, but I never watched past a certain season of the show Weeds and I've okay. been watching so much Weeds. So I guess they could come back. But from what I hear, I haven't gotten to the later seasons and I think they were off the air and then did get a reboot. So that, I don't know, I'm actually, I hate this reboot thing. And I really wish some things would just leave it. Like it's almost never good to bring the shows back. Um, And it's too bad. I actually think that the Sex and the City was a mistake because I actually love the movies and I think they could have left it at that, but we'll see. Yeah, I never, I never, I never finished Weeds but I have like the biggest celebrity crush on Hunter Parrish. So that was like the Ooh, only reason yes. why I'd watch it. Oh, yeah, I, I just so Googled much. him and he's on a show now. What is he on? He, he, he did a guest spot on Ratched. Oh yeah, right. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, um, it, it, very, very sexy the moments that he had. I was very pleased. Yeah, he looks good. I like looked at a Where Are They Now article and he looks He's so great. beautiful. And mm-hmm. I've gotten to meet him too. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely like you have. not- That's- celebrity crush that's a good Mm -hmm. celebrity crush i have not everyone has it who's your celebrity crush oh god i love josh hutcherson okay that's so weird and i did like 50 cent but then he was like kind of trumpy so not anymore and uh and actually joe just got me hooked on um difficult people and i've always had a thing for billy eichner so okay billy eichner nice All right, number five, Betty White to turn 99. Holy shit, let's make it to 100, Betty. Right? Like, protect put her, her in a fucking costs. bubble. Protect her at all costs. That's legendary. That's legendary. Yeah. I love when she uh, I love when she was on the roast of, I can't remember who she was on, but she's so funny. I love Betty White. She yeah, must she's be brilliant. Protected. So I have a question from in the fan corner. This is from the darling Gemma. Oh, yes. How has Mama Otev inspired your drag? How has Mommy Otev inspired it? Yeah. Well, my mom has been, uh, has had like bright blue hair for like over a decade and is such a free spirit. She's the best host in the world um, when she's having a party. So she taught me what being a fun, entertaining uh, woman is all about, you know, like I I definitely model myself in drag off of her aesthetic a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was always encouraged me to uh, do whatever I wanted and do it well. So um, Mommy Otop, I, there wouldn't be a Nikki Otop, the drag queen, if um, 
she wasn't my mom. Nice. I love that. You'll be loving it when parents really are part of the journey. I'm so lucky. I realize that that's not a lot of people's journey and I'm very thankful that she's so often part of the fun. She comes to the shows yeah. and uh, she's dressed up with me. We've matched before. I'm very blessed and I love her so much. She'll definitely be listening to this. So hello, Mommy Otav. Nice. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Oh, this cute. is a question from Elise Navy Dad. Okay. Oh, I love her name, by the way. Elise, mm-hmm. I love your name. All right, ready to get shady. She asked a shady question. Oh, shit. Who is your least favorite drag queen in New York City? Ugh. I know, right? Uh, oh, man, I can totally take the easy right, uh, way out right now. So I will. Uh, you know who just should just be canceled? That Sherry Pie. I just don't like her. Something about her. It's creepy. Yep. Yep, that was but the easy the way to real, go. The real truth is, I there's really no drag queen who I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of them. I wish they didn't live here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I like keeping, uh, I like keeping good relationships with everybody. So everyone I know uh, who does drag, we don't. I don't really have beef with the dolls. Good. Nice. So yeah. Now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. Who is your next guest? Can I not you know? get to know? Okay. Um, if you could have unbooked one of the season 13 girls who would not have made it to the drag race uh to the drag race all right interesting who would you boop i feel like you have an answer there uh there's several bitches who could um but but i think that they're going to be sashaying away soon anyway i don't really have much use for i don't really have much uh you know what? Fuck it. I'll just get shitty. I really don't like Denali with the skates. Mm. Uh, I was not a fan. So uh, she can pack it on out. All right. We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Just like you, you coming on, I want to expand the Block Talk family. And yes. who do you want to hear on a future episode? Have you had Vinny Gaga? Not yet. You need to have Vinny Gaga. All right. We will, we will reach out and make that happen soon. I love her so much. But where can we find you on social media and Venmo and all those fun places? On social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm new to Twitter. You can find me at Nikki Otav, N-I-C-K-Y-O-T-T-A-V. And I just started a new Instagram as well called at Tip Your Queens. I'm going to be featuring uh, drag queens from all over the world, drag kings, drag performers with their Venmo information. So if you have a couple extra dollars, you can go drop it to a, a performer that's on that Instagram. So follow at tip your queens. That also happens to be my Venmo. So if you want a Venmo, you can at tip your queens. Love that. Well, I'm so glad we got to talk and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. This was fun. The biggest thanks to Nikki for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theonthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.